the important thing for me to learn was as well, if he didn't get it right, not to blame him. <laughs> Ooh, you're preaching right now. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 91 of the Chris and Christine Show. <laughs> How are you doing today, baby? You're very giggly today. I, you know, I usually get giggly on podcasting day. You know how I roll, baby. Yeah, and it might not help that I'm making faces at you across the that? studio. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to be all serious, and there's Christine over there making faces at me. I'm, I'm just trying, trying to get in the mood. Oh, trying yeah. to get in the flow. Oh. Oh, yeah. In the podcast flow. You know, some podcasts, or should I say some morning radio shows, they'll do this thing where they all like clap, clap, dance or something before they actually get the mics going. Yeah, it's just like when you like get ready to go out on the field for a game or something, you're like pumping yourself up. It's what, like, what? Maybe we should do like some, you know, well, you do it sometimes and sometimes it drives me nuts. What do like, I do? I don't know. You're like, I, don't, I can't even describe it because we're on, we're on audio and not video, but it's like this like thing with your arms where you're like almost like flapping them do you think i talk with my hands too much no, or like point at things but, but when we get started you do this like thing where you're like circling your arms like and here we roll and yeah. i'm like can you just get to it oh come on it's all the listeners love it yeah um they can't see you because this is an audio podcast uh, well anyways hey speaking of uh, audio we are currently using the old dinosaur computer so we're back to that so hopefully this thing does not up our audio oh yeah because we were using the p4 pod track p4 last week and um that was pretty awesome but yeah we had some technical issues with the computer when we were recording an interview last week so uh yeah so why don't you tell everybody about the new computer decision making saga that you've been involved in and let me say people if you ever think that anybody talks about one specific subject too much, you're wrong. Come to my household and listen to my husband. What are you, what are you talking about? Are you t- Chris, did you get a new computer yet? I, no, I have not. But I was uh, looking today. Oh, what did your looking entail? Well, okay. I, I went over to Best Buy, which is down the street, right? So I go to Best Buy. I take both kids with me to Best Buy. But they, you went to Costco last week. Right. Okay. But I went to Costco just to get Costco stuff. And then I was happened to be there by the computers and looking and browsing and talking to the salespeople about the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. So today... I went over to Best Buy because I had some computer questions and I want to talk to somebody in that field, you know, Best Buy computer salesman. Maybe they can help me out, ask me questions. But I'm- why is that? Because you have a PC right now. Why is it that you need to talk to someone? Because you know PCs and you know what you need. What is the big tipping point as it relates to this decision about a new computer well do i continue with going with a windows pc windows 10 or whatever they're on right now i don't even know maybe it's 20 i don't know and continue with that or do i change flip the script and go to apple Hmm. (sighs) well as you all can tell by my sigh i would favor you choosing a PC because PC means probably Chris can figure it out on his own. (laughs) And an apple is like Eve taking the first bite out of the apple because she had to make the first move to help 
Adam figure out where the fruit came from. Okay. That would be the story. Okay, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> Do you know how to function a Mac? I Well, if the guy told me at the store. It's like an iPhone. No, no, no. I have an iPhone. No, no, no. Chris, do you know how to work on a Mac? Sure, I could. I could figure it out. Uh, do, you, do you know how to even click on my MacBook? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> That's a negative. <laughs> You're like, like using the trackpad and like, why doesn't it click? And I'm like, you just have to tap. You're like, what the heck? I, know. I just have to tap on this thing? But I guess... It would be different if you have like a mouse and a right. keyboard and you're not using like a MacBook. Well, so the problem is, is that I have a desktop tower PC. It's not the one that's an all-in-one. It's the box that sits to the side and then your computer monitor and keyboard and all that junk is plugged into it. So what I was looking at getting was either another one of those, which seem to be harder to find these days, to tell you the truth. A lot of new computers are going to those all-in-ones where it's just a monitor and everything's plugs into that. Right. My parents have one. The Macs have been like that for years. And um, so I was trying to find a computer that can do it, that kind of replace what I have. And they're hard to find, especially ones with as much uh, memory this one's got. This one has like two terabytes of memory, which is kind of rare for a computer these days. Most of them give you like half of a terabyte or maybe one terabyte at the most. So with- Is half a terabyte like a tera? Or a bite? Yeah, kind of. Or is it like a pterodactyl? I'm more like a dactyl. Because every time you say terabyte, it makes me think of dinosaurs. Like oh, really? dinosaurs, a pterodactyl taking a bite, like a terabyte. That's why they got the name, actually. They should call them dino bites. Oh, they do have that. <laughs> that's, that's the next size up. Is that part. the next size up? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it goes like uh, gigabyte, megabyte, dynabyte. <laughs> Shark bite. <laughs> I'm going to bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the computer I'm actually looking at getting into is the new Macintosh or Mac Mini with the brand new M1 chip, which they say is amazing. I they? Have, who is they? Every salesman I talked to today. Right. <laughs> every salesman <laughs> that's trying to get you to buy their product. That's the they. But the it's thing, a very reliable source. But You're welcome. I, th- I talked to three different guys today at Best Buy about the same thing. And um, the thing I've heard from all of them is that the M1 chip is way faster and it takes less memory and less um, RAM to run it. And Are you sure it's M1 and not like me, M-I, like me? Yeah, it's a me chip is what we call it. Yeah, the, my mm-hmm. chip maybe? May, maybe. So anyways, for the same price point to get a decent tower, I could get the M1 chip and buy an extra hard drive and buy extra stuff. because Oh, the- external hard drive because it only has a 256, I don't know. Gigabyte. M- mini byte <laughs> <laughs> memory. So right. you're, you're functioning off a two terabyte memory and you're thinking of going down to 256 but getting a brand new computer because it has this super fast microchip inside of it that when you looked at it um, is... Re- Related to the Intel chip? No, no, it's not. The, this M1 chip is a totally all-new processor by Apple. It's supposed to be unbelievably fast. So they put it in the new Apple's new iMac the machine, which I guess you have to order those. They're not available yet. But anyways, it's going to power that. It's powering the computer like you have. It's powering that stuff. It's not going to be in the phones as far as I know, but it's super crazy fast. Anyways, point being. That, I, I just had an aha moment. Gosh, I just had an aha moment. I'm what? sitting here cracking myself up like, what is your fascination with the Apple computers? And I realized that you want your computer to function like a race car. Yeah, that's it. 100%. Yes, 100%. You feel the need the need for speed, processing speed. Right. Not necessarily that it has all of the bells and whistles. So it could be more stripped down and a little bit rougher. 
because it doesn't have all of the memory that you needed, but because it's fast, you well, want Well, here's it. the thing. See, I was at the store today, and the guys were telling me that you can buy these little, like, adapters that can plug into the doohickey, and you can add things like bigger hard drives. You can add um, – what else can you add to the thing? So instead of getting the already created computer the way that you want it with everything included, you could buy it for this chip but it still doesn't have the memory you want. So then you have to attach all of these other gadgets to it. So you end up up spending like four times as much. Well, not four. Actually, you end up spending about the same price as if I would get a a tower that had had all the stuff I wanted. So I am fine with whatever you choose, your money, no honey (laughs) decision. (laughs) But I will say this. I love you dearly, but I cannot teach you how to use a Mac because... It would be like me teaching you how to drive, and I don't know if our relationship would survive it. Oh, come on, No. Come on, babe. Honey, the way that you navigate change, and you are just horrific when it comes to trying new things i mean you will like probably say i should have i should never done this i'm just gonna throw this away i'm gonna go back i'm gonna return it where's my old tower why'd you tell me to give away the old tower and i'm I'm gonna get it back from whoever i gave it to and you know i don't know this is exactly the conversation you don't like change that is that is so true you're so right but i think say that again you are so right hold on one more time i i think that it cut out for a second you're so right um, how right? Uh, so right. Like how many O's on that so? Like a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't quite hear that so. A few. So you're so right, babe. But here's the thing. No matter what I do. I'm, I'm like a- so right. Like a dozen donuts O's right. <laughs> yes. Correct. Mundo. So what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter if I go to a new tower PC or I go to a new Mac PC or Mac computer, whatever you call them, I'm going to have to do something new. This old computer, it's been with me for so long, it's got it's, it's on its end of its life cycle. I think it is. I mean, it's definitely kind of on life support right now. <laughs> you like woke it back up from the dead and I had to did. do some heart surgery on it last week. Yeah, I cleaned out all the insides. You I, did. I gave it a nice flush. You definitely did. <laughs> a, a cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was about to go down a line of thinking right then that are not appropriate for our family-friendly podcast. But, um, well, that's been an interesting conversation between us this week. Um, I've also had an interesting week this week. Ooh, what happened to you, baby? Well, I started to transition back to in-person work and uh, two days a week. And gosh, I have become quite the introvert from working at home and being isolated. I didn't realize how much small talk occupies so much brain space. I'm just like being around so many other people. And, you know, it's it's a little bit difficult because I work at home for three days a week and then in the office. And so I'm like trekking my stuff back and forth. But Man, I was zonked this week after my work. What, what do you think it was? Just a physically having to drive somewhere and clock in? Or not really clock in, but be there? Um, and, and, and I think then- it was like being around so many people and like having to ping pong into different conversations and catching up on projects and then um, being masked the entire time where I didn't feel like I was um, breathing as freely. And, you know, I have asthma. And so that was a little bit difficult. But then, you know what I didn't realize really impacts me? I've worked in pretty much natural light for a year because the place where I sit and I work, I keep the window, the blinds open and the fresh air blowing on me all day long. And then I went back into a cubicle where I was covered with fluorescent lights and, um, you know, kind of in a regular desk setup. I 
didn't have as much freedom to like get up and walk around and stretch my legs, like come down and have coffee with you. And we're not allowed to eat oh, at our desk. I, I miss that so much. Well, we're not allowed to eat at our desks. And I'm not complaining. It's just the, the way that things are for safety reasons. So I find myself not like having my snacks as regularly because I don't want to grab my food and take it downstairs and outside. It just seems like a burden. But one thing that I am doing is hydrating a lot. So that's, oh, that's really good. That's, that is really good. You got to do that. I mean, I, I do it too at work. I drink like probably yeah, three or four do. water bottles at work every night and during the day too. We actually yeah. have some right here. So Yeah. So there was that. And then I've just been working on a couple of other um, projects, you know, some like businessy types of projects and things like that. And I'm prepping for summertime. Uh, but the other thing that I've done in the evenings, which has helped me to really decompress, is I've been binge watching Downton Abbey. I know you have. I know. What, what is your fascination with that show? So what's really interesting is I went through this time period where I watched it religiously. Like I would do the dress up parties to go to the premiere of the first episode of each season. Mm, interesting. And go watch it in like a big theater down in uh, Tower District in Fresno. And then I would watch every episode as it came out on TV. Uh, but then, you know, right as it was getting really deep into the storyline, I think it was right at the end of season four is when um, I split up from my ex-husband. And so then I just kind of like everything the few months before that and in the midst of it and then afterwards it was kind of a blur. And so as I've been watching it over again, I'm watching the UK version, which you get a couple of extra minutes. Wait a second. What, is there a difference? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And um, I was watching the UK version and there were some things that I didn't remember being in the original one. Maybe it is the same, but watching everything through for a second time and like consistently through instead of like one a week the story is building so much better for me. And I did that with a couple of other shows. But today was my <laughs> it was my lazy bum day. And, you know, I woke up early with a puppy and started to watch a few episodes and then watched them this afternoon after I showered and the kids were playing. And I think my body needed it after this week of transition is to just kind of like be a couch potato. And then after, you know, finishing school and everything, I'm just learning how to like rest and that for right now includes binge watching downton abbey <laughs> well you know what i was thinking as you're saying that is that it's almost like you know your first day back to school after you went off for the summer break hey you just been it's a wholly different change I mean, even though you're working still but going in physically in person being in an office being around people other than me of course and being driving there driving back that whole event has got to be just such a daunting task on your body because you're not used to doing that for so long. Well, that plus, you know, being in a different type of a seated uh, setup, like, you know, you're stretching different types of muscles based off of how you sit ergonomically with the chair and the desk and all of that. So yeah, my body's just adjusting to it all. And, you know, I'll get into my rhythm, but um, it was really nice. I The first day I walked back on campus that's what we call it. I walked back on campus. It, I just was grinning under my mask because it did feel really good to get back to this place that was so familiar and to start feeling like there was a little bit of normalcy coming back. And so while I know there's a lot of different opinions about going back to in-person work, I did appreciate being able to start transitioning back. I'll just be really happy once we get to the point where we can take our masks off and actually sit down and have lunch together because we can't really have lunch together even. Like there's no tables and stuff like that. We're just like 
on our benches outside. But you know what? It's just one step at a time. And today I took that first big step and I survived. <sighs> Look at you, baby. I know. Congratulations. You're back to work. How long Thank you. Has it been a full entire year since you were back over there? Uh, yeah, it's been, well, I mean, I stopped over to get a few things one time, but it's been 15 months or 14 and a half months. Since you actually been over there. Yeah. March 13th. Wow. Yeah. 2020. Did it all come back? Like, like, oh yeah, I don't know where that is. Oh yeah. Check that. That's where Joe sits. Oh, of oh, course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I had to do a lot of cleaning because so much dust had accumulated in my, my area. Did they have cleaners come through there first before um, you guys came over there? No, they're going to do it after everybody gets back like for a week or two and we get our stuff like cleaned out the way we want it they'll come through and deep clean everything oh, okay i guess so but yeah anyway so you know it was just an interesting week and i was thinking this weekend as i was like laying like a couch potato and you were busy how our ideas of relaxation are pretty different on the weekends <laughs> what, what do you say i'm like always go 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 no i just mean like i've been kind of like stepping back and thinking about how you know, our relationship has moved through a lot of different phases and how during COVID, you know, we've got so comfortable being around each other. But also a lot of our relationship, I was in school, pretty much all of it. And now I think you're getting to see a different Christine. Ooh, let's see how exciting this one's going to be. I know. And so I've been thinking about that. And, you know, that brings me to talk about our upcoming guest that we have, who is an expert in relationships and intimacy. And she is going to be with us sharing some really interesting tips and ideas about relationship that I know will be very beneficial for not just us, but for all of our listeners. That's right. And she will be on the show coming to us live from Spain right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bruch. Now, Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you first leave the dentist. A fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off total purchase with code pod 15 follow the link in the show notes and enter the code pod 15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine welcome back everybody today we have another special vip guest this one is an international visitor to the chris and christine show she is a relationship and intimacy coach welcome to the show natalie summer Hi, Chris and Christine. It's such a pleasure to be with you, with you guys here. We're so really excited to have you. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Hey, Natalie. Hey, uh, it's Natalie Summer. Summers or summer? Summer. Perfect. Like the weather. I love it. <laughs> We're almost into summer. <laughs> I know. So, hey, Natalie. Hey, speaking of which, where in this wonderful world are you actually coming to us from today? From Spain, from beautiful, sunny Spain. Spain? Wow, this is like, it's like the other side of the world. <laughs> what area of Spain are you in? On the Costa Blanca, which is kind of in the middle along the coast. And yeah, pretty much in the center along the coast of Spain and between Alicante and Valencia, to be specific. 
Oh, wow. I went to Spain two summers ago for the first time and was able to visit Barcelona. And it is so beautiful there. And oh, gosh, like sitting out with my sister and having sangria and overlooking the water. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, Barcelona is amazing, especially in summer. I think there's nothing better than Europe in summertime. Have you lived in Europe your entire life? Um, I grew, I'm Swiss. I'm from Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland till I stayed there till I was 19. And then I moved to Australia, lived there for 13 years, seven years in Hong Kong, and now in Spain. Wow. So that's like a lot of, uh, I mean, the moving costs alone must be outrageous. <laughs> Especially when you do it with a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. We just got a dog. So uh, we're learning all of the things that are costing extra from having a puppy. <laughs> Mm, yes. So what led you to move from country to country to country? Those seem pretty far apart. Adventurous spirit. <laughs> wow. I just had that itch and just knew there's more to experience and had that longing and just followed that longing. That's amazing. You know, you always go to Google and you can do the same thing. Via <laughs> <laughs> virtual, <laughs> virtual <Yeah>. travel. <laughs> I think it's what we have to do these days. There's really not much else to do other than just looking at beautiful images of the Maldives and just delve into those images. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Chris isn't a huge international traveler. Do you have any tips that I can use to help give him the travel bug like you, Natalie? I think go to Australia. It's, it's a beautiful country. There's so much to see. It's very versatile. People speak English, although it is with a different accent. It took me a while to actually understand them. <laughs> <laughs> but now I really love the accent. It's just it's just such a beautiful country and it's easy to travel. It's easy to, to get around. Yeah, it is big, but it's, yeah, it's a beautiful country. That's one place I've always wanted to go. And the re main reason why I wanted to go to Australia was because of the toilet flushing, which I don't know if you know this or not, but the <laughs> toilets flush backwards in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I've actually, I've never checked it, but I have heard that. Yeah. See, yeah, it's a fact, it's a myth. Do a they flush backwards or do ours flush backwards? It's like Good a question. chicken and the egg question, right? <laughs> Good question. So you've moved to a number of different countries. What led you to land in Spain? Hmm. Yeah, I really loved. I'm married and me and my husband really loved living in Hong Kong, but being far away from family, he's British. And having been away for almost 20 years, I just felt, yeah, I felt it was time to come back to Europe, to be closer to family, to be closer to friends and just come back to my roots. And Switzerland wasn't necessarily on the cards. It's quite cold in winter. I don't really like the cold. Who does? <laughs> Who does really? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so Spain felt like a good option. That's awesome. And so uh, how did you and your husband meet? We met in Australia. I used to have a vegetarian cafe and he walked past and somehow liked what the look of the menu, came in and yeah, we started a conversation and the rest is history. Wow, how sweet is that? That's like a movie. That's so, so cute. So when you got you guys had your first meal together, what did you get order? <sighs> oh, that's that's a while ago. I really can't remember. Uh, I really can't remember. Was can't. was it at your cafe? Like did it, he actually sit down and eat? 
He did, yeah. Oh, did. that's so cute. Now, can you tell instantly by somebody what they ordered? Like, you meet somebody for the first time. Say you're working at a cafe, <laughs> right? And this guy walks in, he's flirting with you, and he orders something. Uh, one way or another, can you tell what kind of person this guy is? Hmm, I never thought of that. But, yeah, you probably can. You probably can look at, you know, how much are they taking care of their body? Are they being conscious about what they are putting into the body? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess it probably will tell you something. But at the end of the day, probably won't tell you everything because once in a while we all like to indulge in something that's a bit more naughty. (laughs) Yes, good point. It's like when I I go to the grocery store and I don't know if they have the grocery store here there, but they have the conveyor belt where everybody's putting their their items on the conveyor to be checked out. And you totally judge the person that has like chips and candy bars and cookies. And all that and soda, and then I hear you know you get the or other... like you the five pack of ice cream. Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> and even I get to do. I even sometimes feel guilty when I just start unloading or unpacking. I'm like, oh, I hope nobody's watching. I hope nobody. Sometimes <laughs> people when you meet somebody in your grocery shopping that you know, and they have a peek into your shopping basket, it's like. Come on, that's personal. <laughs> right, they should have privacy screens. Like, if, if I'm going to go home and binge watch Netflix and, you know, indulge in ice cream all weekend long, I don't need anybody judging me while I pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so you met your husband in Australia. Um, how long have the two of you been married? We've been married for six years. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where did you guys get married oh, at? Congratulations are in order. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what, what part? What part? What country you guys get married in? We had two weddings: one in Hong Kong and one in Thailand. So the one in Hong Kong was at the registry, and the one in Thailand was for friends and family. Ooh, tell us about that experience. I've seen weddings in Thailand before, and they look like they're very beautiful. What was your experience like having a wedding in Thailand? I think the nice thing for us as a couple was that we didn't have to be on premises to organize or do anything. Like it was all, we just, you just sent emails, you told them what you wanted and they just organized it all for you. So there wasn't a lot of stress involved. And then when you're in a, you know, beautiful place by the beach and you're going on holiday, naturally you already are relaxed on holiday. So everybody was really relaxed. The whole experience was very relaxed and just, it was just, there was just like a lot of love. Because we were all in a great mood. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. It, it was really, it was really a beautiful and you don't just only spend one day together with the people you care about. You get to spend a week with them. And that was just really, really special. That's fantastic. You know, we were supposed to get married in Hawaii of during 2020, the pandemic uh, year, but Hawaii locked our borders and uh, shut everybody out and all that fun stuff. But very similar to your wedding, we were going to do something similar in Hawaii, family and friends for a week in Hawaii. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. So we're living vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you guys just got married as well. Right. In November. So we had thought about postponing until Hawaii reopened, but we really wanted to keep the date November 20th, 2020. Was that our anniversary? I got to write that down. Oh my gosh, you're a goofball. (laughs) Uh, But we really wanted to keep the date. And so Chris had an idea that we just do it locally here. And we ended up having a beautiful reception. We have a small backyard, but you know, with COVID restrictions on how many people you can have gathering together, it fit 
very nicely and it looked like a little fairy tale and it was beautiful and a perfect day. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. And congratulations to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so we're really interested in learning a bit more about you, Natalie, as you've been this world traveler. Um, as I was reading your bio, it says that you're a relationship and intimacy coach, but you used to own a vegetarian cafe. So tell us about your professional career. Like what brought you to be the coach that you are today? Mm. So I've always done therapy work. Even when I had the cafe, I had some treatment rooms out the back. So we would do counseling in there. And it's always been something I've been doing. And even at the time then, people would always come to me and ask me about love <laughs> or they want to talk about love. And a lot of times it's about, you know, when will I meet love or when will I meet the one or I'm in a relationship and I'm not sure if it feels quite right, what should I do? And I was always curious about that topic. And, you know, as, as a coach, you, 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 guide and support and help them through these life cycles or relationship cycles. But I also felt it wasn't necessarily my level of expertise. So the more this topic came to the surface, I also felt the need for me to learn more so I can be more of service. And I decided to become a certified relationship and intimacy coach. And of course, doing, studying, learning, applying that work <laughs> on myself in my relationship has really, really changed my own relationship with self and with my husband as well. So I'm very passionate about this because I feel it's not we all are in relationships in one way or the other, yet we don't really get taught about it. How can we have healthy relationships? So I'm very passionate about it because I feel like it's important that we have tools and understandings of our own needs and how to create, yeah, healthy, thriving relationships. So is there some special secret sauce or tidbit that you'd like to share with our listeners? Because we're all ears. What's the magic behind keeping the love alive? Yeah, I mean, there's communication, of course, is really important. Um, Compassion, compassion for self, compassion for your partner. Acceptance is huge. Accepting yourself, accepting your partner, accepting you can't change somebody. Being self-responsible, <laughs> owning your stuff, <laughs> owning your, owning your, you know, your your hurts, and not blame, not project. And I feel like what really has created a turn in my relationship was learning about masculine, feminine polarity. When I learned about that, I was like, wow, you know what? This makes so much sense. Well, what is that? My, <laughs> my relationship has, has had some challenges. I mean, you know, let's be honest. We all have relationship challenges. It's, it's normal. We're human beings. So masculine and feminine polarity. And first of all, they live inside of us. And masculine is not just applied to men and feminine is not just applied to women. But so masculine is the doing. The masculine is being on purpose. The masculine is creating. The feminine is the feeling in relationship, love, care, nurture, pleasure, fun, creativity. So now when I first met my husband, he was embodying the masculine. So he was planning things. He would, you know, open the door for me. He was very much on purpose in the doing. 
And it just felt for me, I was like, oh, that feels so good because I didn't feel like I had to do a lot of things I didn't like doing. He was initiating, he was contacting me, he was reaching out and just like, it just made me feel really loved. So I could be my feelings and emotions of love and I could show that part to him. And I was in my surrender. I knew he would get things, he would organize it. And I could just trust that he's got it (laughs) and really surrender and just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. So that to me felt amazing because for a long time I was felt like, okay, I'm a fiercely independent woman. (laughs) I don't really need to lean on somebody emotionally or in whatever, whatever way. So I always felt like, no, I have to, you know, you don't have to carry my bags. I can carry my own bags. You don't have to open the door. I can open my own door. And I actually had people telling me that (laughs) that that didn't feel good to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all right. I still thought the story was still I'm a fiercely independent woman. So when (laughs) I met my husband, something felt different. In the way how he was doing it, it felt very embodied and it felt for me really good to let somebody lead. Now, that created a lot of magnetism in our relationship. It felt really good. We really felt like the roles were really well established. And yeah, I didn't feel like I had to constantly do and organize everything and always be my doing, which can lead to exhaustion. So, but then time went on and I went back into my old role let me do everything, let me take care of you, let me organize things because it gives me a bit of a sense of control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would then take away a lot of things that he was previously doing. And then after some time, I felt, hang on, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm tired. I actually doesn't feel good for me to, to, to always take care of everything, to do all the cooking, to organize things, to plan things. And I realized with time, I was actually also resentful, resentful that I was in this caretaker was a role, resentful that I had to lead. And, you know, he obviously polarity happened. So he then went into the receiving of, oh, this is great. She's happy to do all these things. Of course, I'm happy just to let her take over, gives her sense of control. Great. (laughs) So then Natalie, where did it change? Like, how did you get that balance back? with that masculine, feminine polarity? Yeah, great question. Great question, Christine. I had to be self-responsible and being aware of how much I was doing actually didn't feel good. I created invitations for, for my husband to step in and support me because I didn't ask for support before. I didn't create invitations for him to step in. So when I realized how tired and exhausted I was and actually didn't feel good being in that caretaker role, I asked him to support me in the things that felt a bit icky. And I used communication like, this is how I'm feeling. What would be really helpful to me is if you can cook dinner tonight. That will help me feel really loved and cared for. Oh, how sweet. (laughs) Right? <laughs> right. But was he open to that? Because I I could mm-hmm. see how in a relationship, if somebody gets used to being taken care of, that that might cause more friction. Um, like, well, why am I having to do more work or, or more resentment on the other side? Did you, how'd you navigate that? 
So because there was no blame, whereas before blame came out in different ways in like, I have to do everything. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. <laughs> that came out as blame. And that okay. felt not good to him because he felt blame and he would have, he felt that he's kind of failing me or he's failing me in one way or the other. He's not able to give me the support that I needed. So when I created invitations versus projecting, I invited him in to help me with dinner. It would make me feel really loved and cared for. This would be really helpful to me. And then I ask, is this possible? So he can check in, is this possible? And if he says no, great, let's look for a solution. What can we do? Maybe we get takeaway. Mm -hmm. Me creating invitation and letting him know how it will help me so he understands. Basically, I give him the medicine, what will help me feel supported, loved, and cared for. It goes back to that communication you were talking about, right? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it is we have to communicate with awareness. And I feel when we are creating invitation for some to somebody, it's more likely somebody wants to step in because if they care about you, of course, they want you to feel loved and cared for. Of course, they want you to feel happy. And if at any point he, he, he can't, me checking in, is, are you able to? Then he can say, no, unfortunately, I can't do this right now, but let's get takeaways. So we can also look at other options. And it really changed our dynamics because I created invitations. And also the important thing for me to learn was as well, if he didn't get it right, not to blame him. Ooh, and you're preaching right now. Ooh, I oh, struggle wait, with that. Wait, wait. Natalie, say that, say that one more time. Oh, just come just on in case now. everybody uh, listening right now uh, <laughs> knows what you're talking about. Yeah, that was my lesson to learn was to let go of control and wow. to trust that no matter what, even if he messes it up, that it's okay. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And if he messes up, he will get it right the next time. Now, now that was a for me to learn. Now, how did your, first of all, question, does your husband at all struggle with perfectionism or control? And not to put him on blast, but I'm, let me rephrase that. How would a couple where both individuals are working through challenges with control manage this transition? That's better. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good question. Good question. But awareness is required from both sides. But also I think if one person creates a shift and leads by example and makes somebody feel, okay, you can get this right, often the other person will feel like, oh, great. All right, there's something different. This feels a bit more relaxed. Maybe they can relax too. So sometimes it's just one person shifting will create a shift in the relationship dynamic. And other times it's just you both have to be aware and, all right, so this time it's my time. This is really important to me. Let me lead. And then other times, you know, we, we, we shift and you let the other person lead. So it's about creating polarity. One person, this, one person leads this time, the other person leads the other time. But a lot of the times it's just about one person shifting and just opening up to more, creating invitations. And you'll find that the other person will naturally adapt. 
So one of the things that you had mentioned earlier is sometimes it's hard in relationships because of past hurts to be able to like trust. So how Mm -hmm. might a couple um, who's entering into a relationship navigate through those old wounds to be able to enter into this polarity? Because it seems like from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of trust that you're going to be well-received on the other end. Yeah. Communication is really is really key. And that also comes with self-responsibility. So letting somebody know, you know, I feel like we first have to create a healthy relationship with self before we can create a healthy relationship with somebody else. So the more self-aware we are of our blocks or our patterns, it's easier to let somebody know, hey, this is really hard for me. I have a really hard time trusting somebody. I have a really hard time letting go of control. I'm trying very hard to work on this. But what would be really helpful to me, again, in creating a mutation, is if we can come to some sort of agreement in those times when I'm getting triggered, in those times when I'm feeling really tense and I'm holding on to control. What would be really helpful to me is if you can just give me a hug or whatever whatever you need, <laughs> whatever you feel would be helpful, and you create that invitation. So you let the other person know what your struggles are. And usually what that – but because oftentimes we show up in a certain way. The other person has no idea why. There's usually a story behind the way how we show up. There's a reason why we feel what we feel. And if we just react, usually people go like, whoa, <laughs> what have I done wrong? And we take it personal. So if you give them an explanation why you find it really hard to let go of control, for example, there's usually more empathy because they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see why that's really hard for you. So, yeah, of course I want to support you and not take it personal. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so do you ever get to a point in your relationship where you are able to help pull that person out of the opposite like if, okay, so for example, if I am demonstrating more tendencies torn, towards the masculine, mm-hmm. how would a person like Chris, just using us hypothetically, help gently interrupt that without it getting into like a blame or a shame cycle? Hmm. He can just, so that would, okay, he can feel, okay, Christine is really in her masculine right now. She's right. Just, <laughs> holding on or you know on on purpose she's on purpose <laughs> and he can see that oh christine she's on purpose but i can also see she's a bit struggling she's a bit tense as mm. she's on purpose so he shifts into his masculine and he can just by inquiring it's, the more grounded chris gets he can he can feel what's going on he can just say hey christine is there anything going on can I be of support? What's going on here for you? Tell me more. Tell me more what's happening. And you probably will feel like a, a bit like, oh, this, I'm frustrated and da da da. I'm trying to get all these things done. And you can just say, like, tell me more about it. Okay, great. And then he can also empathize and just say, okay, I can see how this is really frustrating. Is there anything that we can do to help you solve this? Is there anything I can do here? Natalie, you're saying empathy, but I have a hard time with empathy, I think, in this relationship, Christine says, is that I think I always want to go into the fix-it mode, like, oh, let me try to fix whatever you're struggling with. Is that kind of a thing? 
that's a masculine. That's absolutely that. That's in your DNA. That's also the, the masculine, the doing. Let's get it sorted. Let's get from A to B. Let's find a solution. Let's figure it out. And the feminine, she wants to be felt. <laughs> she wants to feel that you feel her emotions. She wants your connection. She wants to feel, yeah, he's present and he gets it. <laughs> That's usually all she wants. She wants to feel that, yeah, her emotions are being understood. So you going into the fixing and trying to give the solution, which of course would feel good to you because like, let's be on purpose. Like get, let's get, let's solve the problem. But emotionally, the feminine being connected to her emotion, that probably won't make her feel loved or she won't feel understood. So that's the best thing you can do is get very grounded and just ask her, what's going on? Tell me more. Oh, yeah, I can see how that's very difficult for you. Yeah. yeah, And you you ask her, do you want my help? She might only just want to be listened to, just to feel like, yeah, he's just empathizing. He feels me. He understands me. And maybe she does want you to help. Maybe she does want your advice. You can even ask, would you like me to give you advice here? Would you like me to tell you what I think? And she can say yes or no. <laughs> Usually she says no. She says <laughs> I know. No, but I'm, think, I'm thinking this is very helpful for couples also as they're navigating dating because like you said, there comes a time when you move past the honeymoon phase and you start to get a bit more comfortable and establish patterns. And I think that giving different couples tools to help establish healthy patterns is is really helpful because one of the things that Chris and I are very open about with our podcast is we both were operating for a number of years as single parents. And in the single parent role, uh, when you have children uh, and they're with you for a large chunk of time, you're having to fulfill both sides of the house. You have to get things done So you have to be in that masculine at times, but then you also have to meet their emotional needs. And so you're constantly toggling back and forth. And those are those relationships that you're most surrounded with. And so then when you plop a single parent into a dynamic with two healthy, productive adults, um, I could see how that could be a a bit of a clash in trying to reestablish a a healthy rhythm. So... um, other than creating the invitations, what are some other strategies that you encourage couples to um, work through on the relationship side? Yeah, I um, I think I'm just going to speak directly to men here. <laughs> I'm listening. And, you know, I feel like from what I've learned and what I've studied and what I've discovered, men like to have, well, they like to be on purpose, but they also like to have a sense of freedom. They need to have space to just be, just space to do, to have space to be on purpose. So the more we can give them that space to be on purpose, the more we can give them that sense of freedom, the more they thrive. And once they have had, like, it could just be after a hard day of work, just having like 15 minutes, half an hour just to unwind and just being nothingness is actually really important for them. And if we can give them that time and let them be in their purpose, because that's really what they thrive. That's, that's, that's what makes them feel like, it's not like they don't want to have love. They don't want to have relationships. But if you ask a man, like, what's the most important thing for you? What makes you feel really alive? He's probably not going to say, oh, yeah, being, being in, in, in the arms of my, my, my beloved. That will feel really good, but it's not going to necessarily make him feel completely on purpose and fully alive. He probably feels most alive when he's doing 
the, the love that the, the work that he's passionate about. So giving right. them permission, opportunity to be on purpose and have space and freedom to be is really important. Now, obviously, to women, what we crave, we crave like not saying that relationship is the most important thing to us, but relationships is really important because just think of the, the career choice a lot of times we choose is to be nurses, psychologists, um, caretakers, because we want to be in relationship with people. We want to be connected. We want to feel nurture and we want to nurture. So relationship is really important to us. And what makes women feel loved is then when the partner can come in and also once they've had space, time and freedom for them to, when they then have had that, they can come into the relationship container more filled up to be able to be more available and actually step into that area of their life and actually give more and be more present, be more available, give more love, which allows women to feel happy in the relationship. Because a lot of times we women, we tend to think, how's, our, how's my relationship feeling right now? Am I happy? Are things on track? How are things going on in the family? <laughs> like we often think about the relationship and how it feels. And if you feel like, oh, there's a lack of, go like, oh, connect and let's make it better. Uh-huh. So realizing that we are different that we are different, that is it, it's on our mind and that we constantly want the feeling of connection. Usually we always want more of whatever, more presence, more fun, more, more, more passion, more whatever. So being aware of that and creating time and space for it in a way that feels good and actually make it more quality time is, mm-hmm. I feel like, really important. And I really feel that a lot of the times we, we we don't make enough space and time, quality time for our relationships. So when we create that, both people are able to come in and be aware and actually be present with one another and have their needs met. That makes so much sense. It leads me to another question, Natalie. As we think about, um, and I don't know if this is the same culture that's in Spain or in the broader area of Europe, but in the American culture, there's a lot of movement around like defeating gender stereotypes and what should be a man's work versus a woman's work. And I've seen that in trying to disrupt like the typical roles within relationships. So does this masculine and feminine polarity, does it connect with, or is it opposite of this idea of sharing gender roles within the relationship? Yeah. Great question. So now tonight we talked a lot about men and women and masculine and feminine. Um, we also touched on your relationship as well. But it's also important to understand that this polarity is something that it's not gender related either. It's something that lives inside of us. Like right now I am in my masculine because I have to be present. I'm talking to you guys. So I'm very much in the doing. And I also know my preferred energy or feeling to be in is actually deep down what I yearn for is to be my feminine for a long time I wasn't so that's why I felt very disconnected and I didn't feel I had my needs met so I know that my preferred energy to be in is feminine because part to my human human design and part to my yearning (laughs) and what feels good but also there is also a lot of men out there that are very in touch with their feminine there's oh, also really? a lot of people that are very in touch with their masculine. And I think there's nothing wrong 
if that's what feels really good, if that's what feels really good in your body, that you feel you feel, feel, feel feeling fully aligned to that. But a lot of the times, it we do need to check and actually what what feels better for me or what feels more aligned to me. How does it feel in my being? And it's not necessarily gender related. It's just more of like what is really right or aligned for me. Huh. Okay. That that does make sense because because I, I was wondering a bit about that when we term it masculine and feminine polarity, I could see how a man or a woman could say like, if I'm in my masculine and I'm a woman, how that feels like it's a negative. Or if a man was to be in the feminine, which means he's more connected with his emotions, how he could view that as being uh, something that is the opposite. So how do you get around that language with um, helping couples understand that that's not negative? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, masculine, feminine is just another term. You can also have yin and yang. (laughs) There is so many different terms, conscious, unconscious, whatever you want to use. There's so many different. I just like to use that terminology just because of the work that I do. It just works. It just aligns. And, you know, I don't think like if let's say you are a woman and you are quite connected to your masculine, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you being in your masculine, in your doing. You strengthened that muscle probably really well throughout your life. And there's probably a reason why you strengthened that muscle really well throughout your life. But if you start to feel inside of you, actually, you know what? I would like to have more fun or more creativity or more connection and more love and more nurture self-care but maybe it's time to move more into your feminine maybe it's time to just expand and learn to become comfortable in that so it's not that we need to be ashamed if, you, if you're a male and you're very in tune with your emotions because maybe you had a lot of sisters growing up or maybe you were just surrounded by more women there's nothing wrong with that and there's that feels great, but maybe inside of you, maybe you're in a relationship where, where the partner that you with, whether it's a man or a female, that's really in their masculine, but maybe you also want to lead sometimes. Maybe it's time for you to strengthen that muscle because you also have a yearning or a desire to be more in leadership, to be more trusted. So we always create polarity throughout the whole day, whether it's working, whether it's parenting, whether it's our relationship, but it's just a matter of being aware of what feels good and what, yeah, where does it feel good for me to be in? You know, Natalie, they always say, like, if you really act on what feels good, especially for uh, younger people, that you, you're talking down a slippery slope because then they're going to, like, addiction and things of that sort, too. I don't think she's talking about that, honey. I think she's talking about, like, emotionally what feels well, good. But you think about this. Emotionally, emotional addiction can be created by a lot of things, um, drugs, alcohol, um, even love and sex and things like that. So at what point does you do you have to really kind of say, should I really go all in on this addictive personality if somebody has an addictive personality? Interesting question. I'm going to have to ask you to be more specific. Like what do you mean by like addicted to what or addicted to like in, in what context? Well, I know that there – I don't know about – I know that a lot of people do have addictive personalities. I do a little bit, and there are some that do, and that's where you get the addicts. And um, and people can be addicted to a lot of things. It can be addicted to women. It can be addicted to sex. It can be addicted to drugs. It can be addicted to alcohol. Mm -hmm. But how does... 
so clarify, honey, because I'm a little confused. How does how do you see that? Because I know you see a connection between the relationship talk. Like, what what are you seeing as the bridge? I'm saying is that you mentioned uh, that if you are if you're have an addict if you're an addictive. No, addictive. Oh, oh no, you were mentioning about how um, do what feels good right, for you, yeah, what feels yeah. right, and I think that that what Natalie was saying is related to being in the masculine versus the feminine polarity. Is that correct, Natalie? Yeah, 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 that's what I meant. But also interesting question, Chris, as well. I think when we do have an addictive personality, I would say that, I mean, there's a reason to that. There's always a reason to everything. And, you know, into the feeling good, like, does it really feel good? Like in your whole being, is it really like that makes me feel on purpose? That makes me feel really good in my being? Or is it because there's some sort of conditioning or history attached to that? Yeah, so that's a really good point. And actually, Chris, you triggered a a really like a light bulb for me because it was something that I've kind of been wrestling with. And I'm wondering, just going to think out loud here for a second, Natalie, because I'm thinking about as you were talking about what feels good and kind of this polarity immediately where my mind went because of some past wounds that I've had is, so if Chris is in the masculine, then I need to be in the feminine. And then it makes me wonder if somebody misinterprets this, could this breed codependency where you're trying to read the other person? It seems like there's a real art to practicing this and and refining it so you don't just try to be the opposite of the other person yeah and you know i think healthy relationships it's a practice (laughs) you don't just get born being in a healthy relationship right (laughs) unless you're 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 very special so you know yeah i think creating healthy relationships it becomes a it becomes a practice and i think yeah, you can have the unhealthy masculine and the unhealthy feminine. So the unhealthy masculine is just like constantly doing, 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 in control, wanting to get things done, not really taking care of their needs. And then you have the other person because you create reality, like somebody that's like you've got the avoidant, always doing, taking care, thinking only about work. Then you've got the anxious attachment or the anxious person on the other side is like, oh, let me give you love and I need love and let me do, let me just make sure um i can still feel loved and yeah we can create very unhealthy polarity so it is important that we are in a space again where it feels good where it feels aligned and that create that's important that we are aware so then if we are in our healthy feminine we also can create polarity for somebody to be in their healthy masculine this is this is so interesting to me natalie like you're blowing my mind right now as i'm thinking I like to, as I'm listening to individuals that we interview, think about the way that I operate because I feel like Chris and I have joked before that our, our podcast is a little bit like therapy session for us because we listen to these interviews and then when we release the episodes, we listen over and over to them and I, I learned so much. And I'm just wondering, like, is this a this concept of masculine and feminine polarity something that uh, you provide more training on or do you have any types of classes or um, coaching coaching that yeah. anybody can participate in if they're interested yeah. yeah so i offer workshops and trainings and also one-on-one coaching as well and it's for individuals and couples do you do it via like zoom like a zoom call kind of thing yeah 
Yeah, all done via Zoom. So my clientele is global. So they're all based all around the globe and makes it easy as well. You can do it from the comfort of your own home because otherwise you have to get somewhere, especially when you coach a couple as well, they have different schedules. So when they can just come home after work (laughs) or have some time at home, they can just like, right, let's just just have our time to connect to one another and get some support from Natalie. So Natalie, on that note, um, I have to ask you this question. Do you speak any other languages other than English? Yes, I speak my mother tongue, which is Swiss German, and I speak German and French, and I'm learning Spanish. The reason why I ask you that is because you are global, and I was wondering if your clients come in from different countries, would you consult them in their native tongue? Yeah, I have got clients in Switzerland and Germany, but I prefer to coach in English um, because I've been living abroad for so long speaking English and right. learned to express my emotions in English and all the training and coaching and therapy that I have done working with clients as well is usually in English. So I find that I have, I feel most comfortable to speak in English. Okay. Awesome. Now is English, um, I don't travel much, but is English one of the uh, main languages you come across around the, around the world? Yeah, absolutely. Really? So if I travel, I'll be all right, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, English and sign language. <laughs> uh, you're helping him. You're helping me get that travel bug uh, for him, Natalie. So, how would our our listeners be able to take advantage of connecting with you? Like, where can they find more information about your classes, your coaching? Yeah, so they can head to my website. So it's my full name, nataliesummer.com. And you can also find me on Instagram as well under Nata Summer. I've also got a private Facebook group that's for women only. It's called Eros Temple for the Modern Woman. Women only? I can't join, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ah. <laughs> Girls only. Girls only uh, club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the, but the best way to find me is via my website. I've also got a quiz on there too, and that will help you to understand more about your love language, your date language, and your intimacy language as well. Is this a quiz for couples or individuals? Both. Okay, awesome. Are, are we going to take it, Chris? Oh, I think we should. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and so I did see something in here about your one-on-one coaching. Um, did I see that you're offering a free 30-minute coaching session to our listeners? Yeah, yes, I do. So I invite anybody that's listening today is to jump on a call and in that call goes for about 30 to 45 minutes and I'll just help you to understand and identify some of your obstacles challenges and just help you get more clarity of what's blocking you or blocking you from experiencing love or creating the relationship that you desire and then also look at what the next steps are for you to help you move through some of these blockages. I think that that is such a fantastic offer. And I think especially as we look at this world starting to open up again and people having been experiencing so much trauma and isolation as it related to COVID and even some anxiety about being around other people, that it would be nice to have a little bit of a a love tune-up by getting a coaching session with you, Natalie, to help open our hearts back up and be ready to embrace relationships and and even for those that have been 
locked down together. Sometimes you get in that monotonous, you know, just survival mode over the last year and a half to be able to kind of have a little, I call it a spring refresh or jump into summer with Natalie Summer. There there, you go. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. that. Yeah. Uh, There you go. So I've just helped you, uh, your new ad campaign. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I think that's the thing as well. It doesn't always have to be all doom and gloom in a relationship. Like it can just be like a, it's, it's, yeah, an, an overhaul and learning some new tools and learning more things about yourself and your partner. That's always a good thing. It doesn't I, always have to be gloom and gloom. Yeah, I agree. And Chris and I talk about this, and I don't want to speak for you, honey, but we say, and we are, we're best friends. And so we're definitely, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, we are best friends. I mean, I we, we talk every day. We see each other every day. Now she's home a lot with the COVID working from home for right now until they put her back to work. But um, you know, we, we talk every day, we talk all day long, you know, we have coffee every morning together, uh, we go everywhere together. I think we've been together, like, <laughs> More, non- yeah. nonstop since we met. <laughs> Pretty much. But, you know, there does come a time where that friendship is more present and maybe the the work on the relationship and the romance and all of that is kind of not tended to as much because we're just like buddies. And so I think that it's good for everybody to step back and think of like, how do we refresh this? How do we just get a few more tools to help us be even stronger? Because that's that's the goal. And especially for us with this being a second marriage is you want to build that solid foundation of communication and connection uh, to help stay bonded to each other so that friction and and more hurt doesn't occur. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, friendship's so important. Have that as your foundation. And then on top of that, you build, you create polarity and playfulness. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. Well, Natalie, we have really loved to have having you on the show today. So again, remind our listeners where they can find you. So they can find me on my website, nataliesummer.com. Fantastic. And we're going to leave that information for you folks in the show notes. So definitely take advantage of this because that's such a wonderful gift to get some one-on-one time with Natalie. And uh, thank you so much for staying up late to join us for this interview. And I think that's the other great thing about you being in another country is that your hours can be a bit more flexible. So like Chris works nights, so you might be available, you know, in the morning or mid-morning to connect with us if we wanted to reach out to you for coaching. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Chris and Christine. It was such a pleasure and great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, do you have a podcast or maybe you're just thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I am Chris from Podcastic Audio, and here I show you tips and tricks on how to make your audio sound the best it possibly can with the gear you already have. With two years of experience on the Chris and Christine Show creating the finest audio I possibly can make, I will show you the tips and tricks I have used on that show to make the audio sound fantastic. So if you have any podcast-related questions to your audio, you always can email me at podcasticaudio at gmail.com like this guy here did. His name is Joe. Joe writes in from the cast. Hey, Chris, when we all sit down together to record our episode, our audio is too low and it has a lot of echo in the recording. How do we make our show sound better? 
Well, Joe, is the microphone you're using rhyme with the name Betty? And is that microphone in the same room with you? I'd start with that stuff first. And for more podtastic audio information, you can go to anchor.fm slash podtastic audio, and you keep on making your amazing podcast. Well, that was super interesting, and I loved how she was able to help us really understand what that masculine and feminine polarity means in relationships. Oh, I know. It's still it's a new concept for us, for me anyways, thinking about that kind of thing. So, Does it make you feel weird, though, if somebody – like if I was to point out to you – in a nice way and say like that's more you're in your feminine right now would that make you upset listen i am okay as a guy (laughs) as a as a guy of all traits who can handle his uh, sexuality and femininity or whatever you call it no uh, it's just the feminine polarity yes that too i can handle my polarity no problem so i am very comfortable with whatever Uh, i know i think that you jump between them and so then i'm i'm constantly like oh my gosh like i just need to be in one study i find myself more in the masculine side not not being a guy but like take charge but i think we've talked about that in our relationship how some of that is because of my job that's required me right. to be a leader right your entire career has been in like just like that so think about that someone who's always been in that leadership role like uh, almost every job you've had since your education like right it's been, whether it's been a teacher yeah or, or whether it's been like a principal or or something like that you know it's, it's been in that leadership management position of some sort Right. That's true. And what's interesting in bringing this up is when you see individuals, like when you see women um, stepping into the masculine, we can get stereotyped a lot by other people as being like bossy or being controlling or um, being too serious or whatever. But, you know, I think that when we're in balance with our partner, it helps us to feel comfortable to step into what our true identity is. I know for me, I prefer to like sit back and to let someone take the lead, but I have to feel very safe for that to happen. What do you mean by that? Like, like I have to feel emotionally safe. I have to feel like I don't need to beg for my needs to be met, whether it's like, um, I don't want you to read my mind, but to anticipate no. that there's things that, but to anticipate there there's things that need to be done. Like if I'm, if I'm not feeling great or whatever that you'll anticipate. And I know that's a lot to ask. And so I've just been trying to, I guess what I've been wrestling with is expectations of relationships myself because I, f- I want to have realistic expectations. But quite honestly, I just want to be taken care of. <laughs> you know, I think we all do some way or another. And a guy, even a guy who feels like he has to be the guy to provide for everything and take care of everything for the lady, you know. But the providing and taking care of, they show up as two different ways because providing is like outworking and earning and providing for the family and taking care is more nurturing. So I guess what I'm wanting is somebody to like nurture me. But you think about the DNA of a human being. It's actually the guys are always like, go back to the caveman days. We go out and club and and bring back the squirrel and you guys cook it for us and and all (laughs) that. So I think it's kind of like that. It's just... It's just the way it is, you know. But do you? But okay, I'm going to challenge that assumption. Do you really think that that's just the way it is, or if that's the way that we've been conditioned to be, and we have to like unlearn and relearn how to be healthy in relationships? Because, you know, anytime you say that's just the way men are, but that's not quite true. Because I've had to develop some of those types of characteristics and feel comfortable providing for my son, um, and I don't think that that makes me 
uh, a guy, you know, sometimes people will be like, why are you being such a dude? And no, it's like, I, I'm not. You're, I'm also, just- uh, you're also, everybody's a product of their environment. So if your environment is you are a single mother and you have to provide, that, then you do that. But uh, what I'm saying is that if you strip the entire world out, it's a blank canvas. You got two human beings, male, female, drop them in a situation, like drop them in a desert island or whatever, uh, where there's no rules, there's no regulations. And uh, the man, the man will probably be more of the provider type, and he'll go out and get the food, hunting, and the wife will probably tend to more of the cooking. It's just naturally the way things I fall in place. I, I disagree. You're trying I to tell me that if you and I were on a deserted island right now, you would say you'd be out there cooking, killing, and I'd be cooking. I mean, I have great critical thinking, so absolutely. I mean, I can build things. I can, you know, not that I would kill animals, but I can provide. And I think of like. Sometimes we confuse these uh, more masculine and feminine polarities with actual stereotypes. But um, like I think of in the animal kingdom, people always assume like the male is the one that goes out and kills and brings back the prey. But that's not the truth. And like even with like the emperor penguins, the male is the one who tends to the eggs and keeps them warm while the women go out. The female oh, you know, penguins you know why, go out. You know why it is? Because because the, the males are males know to sit sit down and <laughs> you're you're just pulling so, out all the jokes. So. But but in all, everything that we're saying, while we know we've been talking about masculine and feminine polarity, one of the things that I do want to recognize that's very important to me to be able to share is we know that it is Pride Month. And so while we're talking about masculine and feminine, uh, we want to ensure that we're not marginalizing anyone. We're just speaking of polarities as it relates to relationships. And we're not saying that it's necessarily binary in nature. Yes, exactly what Christine said over there. Yeah, absolutely. And so thank you all for being here with us today. We hope that you learned something that you can carry into your relationships, any kind of relationships to help you, you know, enhance your connection and the if it's a romantic relationship that you'll stoke the fires right oh fantastic and if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend or uh yeah and if you want to go to our website that is a www.chrisandchristineshow.com and that's chris and christine with k's and we will be back with you guys with an all-new episode next week remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.